Are you surprised to hear my voice? Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We got a good show today. We're going to talk Bucks trade deadline targets. Yes, the Bucks are not done dealing, it seems, nor do the fans want to be done dealing. We'll talk about how MUBB, aka Marquette Twitter, might have helped had their fire kid moment with Steve Wojciechowski. We'll talk about that firing. We'll talk about the Badgers going out in the second round, I think, to no one's real surprise. And where do they go from here? And then lastly, we will touch on what LeBron's injuries injury does for Giannis's MVP chances, as well as the landscape of the league, all sorts of things. Very interesting stuff. Big show today, um, so ready to get into it. But before I do, I just want to give a quick apology, I guess. I know that I do this for free. I know that there are a lot of you that I talk to where it's like, I feel great that I get a podcast from you every day. But still, when I sort of slack, I feel bad about it. And I'm not going to lie. I've had the last two days off. I had Friday off. I had Monday off. And Friday, I basically was, you know, laid up, went to bed way too late. And then I got up and I was like, you know what? No one's going to want to listen to this. This I had to run an errand before the tournament started. I had to get my board together for betting. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'm out. I'm out. So I, I didn't do a podcast. And then see what house gets fired. And I'm like, well, that's actually really good that I didn't do a podcast. Well, I'll do one Saturday. Well, Saturday... I was dealing with, we had AT&T over here. I also had to do some podcast stuff with Murph, which debuts on Wednesday, which I'm so fired up for. I think you guys are really going to like that. And so I didn't do it Wednesday. I didn't do one yet, uh, Saturday either. And then yesterday, I could, I probably should have just popped on after the Badgers, but I'll be honest, I was very hungover. <laughs> and so it was one of those things where by the end of the night, I kind of had ran down. So I, I will be better. I will definitely kind of use my time more wisely. And I apologize for that. And so something I will consider or at least like give you guys a heads up. So you're like, ah, we're not getting a podcast today. And maybe I can try to do what they do when podcasters take breaks and do like best ofs. Maybe, I don't know, or just bank some, some evergreen ones that I can just roll out when need be. But um, we'll get better uh, just to learn experience. And so I'm sorry this one's late too. Um, it's probably going to go live around right when they tip off for Iowa, Oregon. Uh, just just listen to it in the background. Just have it as as sort of either halftime listening or instead of listening to the play-by-play. Although Brian Anderson's on the call, we all know the law of Brian Anderson exists. It's now it's not now the law of Gus. It's the law of Brian, which we'll probably talk about when we do like a big tourney wrap up uh, tomorrow on the Tuesday Daily Tap. But let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks apparently are not done trading assets. So it it seems like the Bucks are interested in Austin Rivers. That was the rumor that was out there today from Zach Lowe. Austin Rivers basically is DJ Augustine, right? Like there's really no difference in what D, Austin Rivers does compared to DJ Augustine. Now you could make the case that what Milwaukee needs is sort of a microwave-like shooter off the bench, that they really need a guy who can sort of light it up and make it happen. Um, our guy, Eric, who I don't think he's ever really been on a show. We've all, we've asked him to come on, um, but Eric has a lot of takes on Twitter. EP Nolte, for those who don't follow him, good follow. Um, but he was like, we need kind of a Lou Williams type. And first I thought he was like, well, let's get Lou Williams. I'm like, fuck that. That guy sucks. But not that he sucks, but he's just not a good playoff playoff performer. 
And then he was like, no, 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 like a, a microwave type, like a, a Jordan Kappen-esque player. And I was like, all right, like I'm into that. Like that's exactly what what this Bucks bench kind of needs. And so the idea of Austin Rivers, Austin Rivers really isn't like a true microwave. He's like a low wattage microwave. Like he he can heat up, he can get hot, and he's he's been in the playoffs, he's been been through it before. He was teammates with PJ Tucker. Like I'm not opposed to Austin Rivers. And I think like if management is interested in Austin Rivers, I assume they will, even though he's brand new, I'm sure they'll reach out to PJ Tucker and be like, hey, just want we're doing some exploration on on Austin Rivers. What do you think? What do you think about this guy? And what do you think can can really happen there? So we'll see if the Bucks make a deal in that regard. The other idea is if the Bucks are going to trade Brook Lopez. Now, Brook has been much better um, in the second half of the season. I think Brook has been really talented for Milwaukee in this second half. It seems like the guy got the rest that he needed, and he's been flourishing ever since. And the case has been made that Brook needs to load manage a, a couple times this year. I mean, I think this week is a perfect example, right? You're playing four games this week. You have two against the Celtics. Like one of those games, probably take Brook Lopez off the court like let let Brooke get sort of a rest before you go on this brutal west coast swing which I'm sure Mitch and I will talk about when we do our podcast later this week but the fact of the matter is is like yeah if Brooke's on the table then it opens up a lot of things um I've seen some of Buck's Twitter say all right let's go get Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart I'm into Josh Hart I love Josh Hart I think Josh Hart's a great player like I feel like Josh Hart is what like Bobby Portis kind of is right he's played on bad teams really his entire career, but I think if you put him on the right roster, I think he'd be great. Like, I think Josh Hart, perimeter defense would be excellent for this Bucks team, and I think he would really be this valued asset that I think Milwaukee could do a lot with, and I I think he immediately, you know, takes bench minutes away from Pat Connaughton, and, I, and I, not that, like, I think Pat's been all right, and Bryn Forbes, but I think that Josh Hart would be an awesome addition to your playoff roster. Now, some also suggested Lonzo Ball, who could be available. Look, I don't, first, like, quick aside about Lonzo. Lonzo's been great this year with Zion. I don't think it makes any sense. Like, someone said, if they're trading Lonzo, it is simply a cost-saving move, and that's really dumb by New Orleans, right? Like, you have a, a guy in Lonzo that makes a lot of sense with Zion, and he's been playing really well as Zion continues to develop. Like, if anything, I would be looking to trade Brandon Ingram. And I don't want the Bucks to touch Brandon Ingram. But I would be looking to trade Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram does not know he's a number two. Like, Brandon Ingram, it's weird how, like, Giannis and Zion are, the parallels are, are starting to line up here. But, like, Brandon Ingram's very Jabari Parker-like. Like, Brandon Ingram has to get his. Brandon Ingram has to sort of be that dude. And, like... When the Bucks played the Pelicans a few weeks ago, like every time Brandon Ingram touched the ball, I felt great. And that's a bad sign if you're a Pelicans fan, right? Like that's that's not a good thing. That's not what you want out of out of your star guy. So I would not, I would not have Lonzo Ball on the block. I'd have Brandon Ingram. But if Lonzo Ball is on the block, would he, would he make sense with the Bucks? I don't know. I mean, the deal works. Like Shafty had it out there that the deal works. I I don't know. I just the chemistry, Lonzo, I know is is the father stuff isn't isn't what it used to be, but I still like the boot and holes. I just man, I have a lot of like concerns if that fucks chemistry up. And is Lonzo ready for that moment? That would be my other question. Like, 
Lonzo hasn't has no playoff experience. He's not been there before. Like how how do we know Lonzo can handle big game situations? Now, granted, he would be the backup point guard. He would kind of fill that George Hill role. And so it might be okay for him, but would also how Lonzo wouldn't be re-signing here. There's no way he would want that. You know, you have Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, by the way, still hasn't signed his accept his extension. I do wonder if that is partially due to the deadline, if they're waiting to see what they might be able to pull off. And I think that might actually be the sign that the Bucks aren't done. That the Bucks are like, all right, no way. Bogdan Bogdanovich. You may have heard that name before. He's apparently available. Now, we know how interested the Bucs were in Bogdan last offseason. They were going to bring Bogdan in. It would be a long, strange trip if Bogdan ended up becoming a Buck and they ended up dealing Brooke Lopez for him. Say Brooke Lopez is the John Collins replacement, right? If they go ahead and deal John Collins or think John Collins is going to leave and Bogdan Bogdanovich comes to the Bucks would be just really wild. Um, you know, obviously, he immediately takes Pat Connaughton's minutes off the bench. Um, you have a microwave-like scorer. It's exactly kind of what you might be looking for if you're a Bucks fan. Marcus Smart maybe on the block. I, look, Marcus Smart is an asshole. I, I think we all cringe at Marcus Smart at times. But Marcus Smart off the bench, energy guy. You have Marcus Smart and P.J. Tucker on your bench and all of a sudden you have one of the baddest motherfuckers in the game like that's just a bad fucking team like bad in the sense of like you are you are ready to fight like you are just ready for war everybody will hate the bucks it will be a lot of fun if you have those type of guys there now i i don't know i mean marcus smart's gonna be a free agent next year i have no idea what the package is guy seems like the heart and soul of the celtics team unless He's what's holding them back. We've seen this a little bit in the past in other sports where a guy who's like super high intensity is not matched by the rest of his team and he annoys the rest of his team. I'm mostly thinking about the Mike Daniels situation. If you guys remember that, like Mike Daniels kind of, you got the vibe from Packer players that he was a little bit of a fake tough guy, a little bit of an overdoer. I feel like Marcus Smart has some of those similar qualities. And so that's why I think maybe they could be thinking about dealing Marcus Smart. I don't know. I Again, I, I A, know nothing, but B, I don't know why you would try to deal Marcus Smart unless you were trying to make other moves. And apparently Atlanta's interested, and apparently if they want to do a John Collins deal, they'd have to bring Marcus Smart over there, as well as Robert Williams and Trey Exception, all other things. So we'll see what happens with the deadline. It's going to be really fascinating. Um, definitely Mitch and I will be breaking it down on Thursday night. So I know it's been a while since we've had a tag in the keg because we did it on last Monday. So you're gonna have to wait till next Friday. So it's it's quite the turnaround, but then we'll be kind of back in a normal rotation. We have opening day coming up. So there'll all be all that will be happening. So don't worry. We're gonna be there. We'll be back to talk about the Bucks at the tail end of this show. But let's first start start talking about Steve Wojciechowski. So Steve Wojciechowski gets fired on Friday of the NCAA tournament. We're about an hour into the tournament and Marquette drops the bomb that Steve Wojciechowski is fired. Um, a crazy, uh, unbelievable news dump by Marquette, right? It's the tournament's just starting. They're like, oh, let's just sneak this in here. Like, hey, Wojo's been fired. So Wojo is no longer the coach of Marquette. I think people were stunned that it happened this year. And from what I've heard, it seems like the donors got behind it and that the boosters finally put up some money and we're like, we're not doing this anymore. We are we are not doing this anymore. 
and we're not going to support them if this happens. And the rumor also was that Wojo was asked to change out his staff. He said no, um, which is crazy to me, but that seems like on par for Wojo. One of my biggest critiques of him over the last few years, if you've listened, when I've talked about Marquette, is that Wojo has way too many yes-men on his staff. He doesn't have guys that'll challenge him. And because of that, I think that mistakes keep happening in the same way because no one's telling Wojo like, hey, maybe do something different. I think I wrote about this like two or three years ago when John Beeline, you know, made the final four, mostly because he switched up his style of defense because he brought in Luke Yaklich. I think it's Yaklich. Um, if I'm pronouncing Luke's name wrong, I apologize. He's now coaching Illinois Chicago. But Luke was this defensive mastermind and completely changed Michigan's landscape, completely changed who Michigan was and made Michigan a much better team, especially in March. And so that's what I wanted Wojo to do. And yet he always refused. So I'm not surprised that he didn't want to get rid of his guys. And I am surprised that this was finally it. And I don't know if the constant talk on MUB, Marquette Twitter, I won't call it MUBB, it's hard. When you're saying it, like I can write it out, MUBB, that's their hashtag. But Marquette Twitter, I think, played a part. I don't know if it had like the same energy as like the Fire Kid movement, right? The Fire Kid movement was crazy. The Fire Kid movement was avatars. It was every day. It was as close to like a soccer firing as I think we have had in college, in in professional sports. I do think the Fire Wojo hashtag was out, but I think he had a, more supporters than than I think we give him credit for. I think there were people that thought that maybe one more year could be the case. And I think Marquette was willing to give him another year. They just wanted to see a new coaching staff. They wanted to help him out and it just wouldn't happen. So that's why they let him go. A lot of people are pleased with it. And now Marquette is up to making a major decision on their hands and we'll see where they go with this new coach. Now, I know a lot of people will want Porter Moser who just put on a clinic uh, against Illinois for Loyola Chicago. Moser uh, is a Rick Majerus disciple. I think that has some intrigue. I know Majerus sort of ran out of Marquette quick. Um, Marquette kind of ran him out. They weren't ready for Majerus. He was a little bit different. and But Majerus still has love for Marquette. There's still a love there. I think you could easily sell Porter Moser to the fan base, even though uh, he plays a much slower style that I don't think any of us are accustomed to, right? We've watched Marquette play for so many years and Marquette play, the last thing Marquette plays is slow. Like they are they are just not a slow team in any shape of the word. So you also look at what else might be available for, for the Golden Eagles. And it's been crazy a lot of, the, I've had so many comments. I, I ended up, this ended up hitting the, like the top Google search. And so I appreciate everybody who's checked us out talking about this and you have other names you know a Wes Miller type out of UNC Greensboro he you know obviously took Florida State down to the wire I guess the worry with Miller is the fact that if North Carolina opens up in a couple years when Roy Williams retires isn't Wes Miller going to take that job and Wes Miller might be a little bit beneath what Marquette is looking at. Marquette might be looking at a John Beeline type and say if John Beeline wants to come back to coaching now he's 68 years old I think Beeline would have to, there would be a succession plan that would need to be be in place, that would need to sort of have happen. 
But you do worry, right, that Beeline, you know, could just lose it and not necessarily be the same coach. 68's old. And now Beeline left the game because he said something unfortunate in Cleveland. I don't know if that would carry any weight here in Milwaukee. Marquette has become... I, I wouldn't say become, they're, they're increasingly more liberal uh, university. So I, I think you have to work around that. I think that's also part of the reason why maybe a guy like Richie McKay, who was at Liberty, or a Paul Mills, whose name's going to probably get brought up a little bit from Oral Roberts, is somewhat concerning, right? They're both from extremely conservative universities who have problematic histories. So maybe that deters you. I also hate the idea of Richie McKay. I know some people really like it. Uh, I can't watch a Tony Bennett style offense. I just can't. Like that that would just disgust me. And McKay hasn't done it at a big level. I you wonder if he's just a guy who's just a good mid-major coach and nothing more, nothing less. I don't think that they can afford a $15 million buyout for Nate Oates. Like, I love the idea of Nate Oates. I think Nate Oates is a great coach, but I don't think Marquette, even though they have some donor support, I don't think they're going to be, you know, ponying that up to get Nate Oates. I just don't see that happening. I I don't even know if, like, Indiana would pay that, right? Like, uh, Nate Oates also, but, but see, the thing about Nate Oates, I will say this. Like, Nate Oates has that Al McGuire attitude towards him. Like, he has that sort of spirit of Al. Like, if you look at Nate Oates and you look at some of his comments and he's not afraid to mix it up, like, there's a lot of that Al McGuire. And I think Buzz Williams had some of that, too. Like, I know Buzz Williams is kind of persona non grata, but Buzz had a little bit of that Al McGuire in him as well. So did Tom Crean a, a little bit, although I think it came off wrong. Like, I think he tried too hard. Um, so I would be all in on Nate Oates. And Nate Oates would be an excellent hire. I just don't know if Marquette would be able to pay that buyout. And and we'll just have to see. I really like Nico Med- Medved of uh, Colorado State. Now, he did play at Minnesota. Minnesota needs a coach. Now, Minnesota, I think, wants Eric Musselman. I don't think they're going to get Eric Musselman. I think Musselman has just started at Arkansas. I think Arkansas used to be a powerhouse. They won two national championships. They're more of a basketball school in the SEC than they are a football school. And so if Arkansas becomes good again, that's back. That's a throwback thing, man. That's Nolan Richardson, right? It's If you have Arkansas, you have Kentucky. Like that's, Those are basketball schools to me. Those aren't football schools. So I don't think Musselman's going anywhere from Minnesota. So I think... They'll focus on Medved, who's kind of worked his way up the ranks. Like, and he plays a fun style. They play up pace. They shoot a lot of threes, up pace, up tempo. Uh, but yeah, they play a quick pace. Like, I would be very in on that idea as well. So, I I will be curious to see where this coaching carousel goes. Um, Joe Golding from Albany Christian was someone that people mentioned, as well as the uh, the guy out of. Uh, Dennis, I forget his last name, North Texas's coach, which I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, again, slow style, Scott Drew system. Paul Mills plays a little bit of the Scott Drew system. Both Scott Drew disciples. I don't know if that, that works. Also, if you know anything about Scott Drew, he's a little bit dirty. Um, just a lot of $500 handshakes for Scott Drew. So you just ask yourself, is that, does the Apple, like, is that what what you have with these two guys? Like, is that, is that going to be the same sort of thing? So just something to keep in mind with those 
those coaching candidates, Joe Golden, not part of the Scott Drew tree. Joe Golden has the Albany Christian uh, into the round of 32. We'll see if they'll be able to get to the round of uh, the Sweet 16. But Golden plays a very like aggressive defensive style that you kind of have to like. And he's a young coach. And again, 45, maybe not exactly young. But but again, it's like is. Is that just a Texas thing? Like all he's done is coach at Texas. He's been at Albany and Christian now since 2011. He, there's a little bit of an unproven style up there, but who knows? And he also went to Albany and Christian. So I don't know if he would be one that would be ready to leave. And he might just be a, a coach that's stuck in Texas. Now I know Brad Underwood was Stephen F. Austin's coach. And then he you know worked his way up and now is at Illinois. So you could maybe sell that pretty easily, but I don't know. Albanine is is one that is an interesting one just by the style that uh, Golding plays. No word yet on if any of the Marquette guys are going to be transferring. Let's hope not. I do think that matters though. I think if you're looking at styles and you're looking at coaches, you want to make sure you have a guy that's going to be able to keep DJ Carton, Justin Lewis, Dawson Garcia. None have announced that they're going to go pro. I think Lewis and Carton, or all three could go pro, and maybe all three would get drafted. I, would, I wouldn't I would be surprised if they all three go into the draft, don't hire an agent, wait for who the coach is, see what the, the NBA scouts say, and then either decide to come back or go into the transfer portal. Um, obviously, if they get all three back or they get two out of three back, Marquette could contend next year. They could The turnaround might not be that quick. Now, if you lose all of them, as well as some of the top recruits Wojo's got, then that's going to be a problem, and that's going to be an issue. Um, so we'll see what happens there. We got a long way to go in that conversation. But yeah, I'm sure the, the rumors will be rampant. Um, you know, we saw it with Indiana, right? There was a, We thought Brad Stevens was going to be a, uh, the Hoosiers coach on Friday, and it, it ended up fizzling out. It was crazy. Um, it didn't happen, but who knows, right? So... We'll, we'll just have to wait and see on all of that stuff. All right, moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers. So Wisconsin Badgers, I think, kind of had the expected outcome that I think a lot of Badger fans would have seen, right? You beat North Carolina, really impressive win against North Carolina. Uh, was just an awesome performance by Brad Davidson, Demetri Trice. You know, Nate Reavers had some moments there as well as Micah Potter. Like, those guys showed out. Like, I, w- I was listening to Titus and Tate, and it felt like, they were just, it was one last ride. Like, it was like, all right, this season really hasn't gone the way we want it. Let's just fucking just go all out. Like, let's just just throw chuck shots, see if they fall. Like, they shot 34 threes. They made 18 of them, and they blew out North Carolina, and that was part of the reason. I mean, Trice had three, five threes. Davidson had five threes. Like, at that point, you had to kind of be beaming as a Wisconsin fan. Now they played Baylor and they ran into a buzzsaw, who, which Baylor has been a buzzsaw team the entire year. Baylor has dominated the field. And I feel such an idiot, and we'll talk about brackets tomorrow more, but I feel like such an idiot for not just doing Gonzaga-Baylor because it before the COVID pause of Baylor, I said to myself, it's Gonzaga-Baylor, it's 2005 all over again. It's going. Those are the two best teams. It, it might be a crazy tournament because, like, 2005, if you remember, it was North Carolina, Illinois, and everybody else. And that tournament, though, was nuts. Like, there were so many crazy fucking games in that tournament. And I, I basically, it's playing out the same way, right? 
it's going to be this crazy tournament, and it's then going to be Gonzaga and Baylor at the end of it. But whatever. It, players fuck up, right? So Gonzaga, or sorry, Baylor, you know, beat down Wisconsin. Matthew Mayer had a big day. I think we saw why Baylor's one of the top teams in that they can beat you in so many ways. They forced a lot of turnovers on Wisconsin early. And that stretch in the kind of the second half of the first quarter, first half, second half of the first half. So like the last 10 minutes of that half was brutal for the Badgers. And they really never were able to get off the mat. They kind of would come back a little bit. But then Baylor would get a score, they'd get a turnover, and they'd beat Wisconsin. So the season is over. Now we wait and see if Wisconsin will let their seniors come back. I have no idea how it works. Like, I have no idea if the players can choose or if Wisconsin can tell them, like, hey, look, I, if you want to come back, great, but we don't have a roster spot for you. We don't have a scholarship. Like, I, I have no clue how this works with the extra year. Um, and maybe I that's a bad job by me. I've advocated that none of these guys should come back for Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's very young, and you could make a case like, hey, if you bring back Demetri Trice, like, Wisconsin would at least have a puncher's chance next season because it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a rebuilding year for Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin has definitely shown they don't necessarily need rebuilding years. They're able to get off the map rather quickly. Um, but I do think Greg Gard's going to start hearing a little bit of the haters, which isn't fair. And Greg Gard gets a lot of shit. But the fact is, is like, yeah, if they don't, let's just say they struggle next year, it will be five years since they've been to a Sweet 16. And I think you have to, you would ask some questions. Now, is that fair to Greg Gard? Because you're like, well, look, we were the hottest team in 2020 and the pandemic hit. What can you do? And yeah, that. but fans don't care about that. They're so short-sighted. And so... I, it's going to be a tough year for Wisconsin, and so maybe there is a case to bring back one of the seniors. I would not bring back Brad Davidson. I don't think I'd bring back Nate Reavers. Um, yeah, I think the only guys that I, I think there would be interest would be Trice and Potter, but those guys could easily go to Europe and make money. I, it depends on if you want to make money and you want to start your life or if you want to come back and play yet again. I have no idea. And again, I don't know how that sort of works. I don't know where where Wisconsin is from a scholarship perspective. But yeah, it's it's going to be a tough year next year for Wisconsin. And this season was certainly a disappointment. But I, I it weirdly, I don't know, does it make you feel better that the Big Ten has been such a mess in the tournament? And that because of how good the Big Ten was during the regular season, that they just beat up on each other. And when they got to play other competition, it's been absolute shit. Now we'll see what happens with Maryland, Iowa, and I think there's another team that's playing today. We'll see what happens with those teams. We'll see if they're able to sort of carry the flag for the Big Ten. But who knows, right? If Iowa goes out, it's the Big Ten. If the Big Ten doesn't have a Sweet 16 team, I mean, that might be the top headline out of the tournament come next next week. So we'll see. But yeah, tough, tough day for for the Big Ten yesterday. Wisconsin only added to it. Um, and but they were playing easily the best opponent. So, it, you know, it's not their fault that Illinois lost to Loyola and looked completely disinterested in that game from the jump. All right, we'll wrap up the show going back to the NBA with the LeBron injury. So LeBron uh, has a high ankle sprain. It's likely that he'll be out four to six weeks um, with that ankle injury. Who knows what that does for the Lakers as in terms of a playoff team and where their playoff seating could be. 
we could be getting into a situation where the Lakers end up looking like the Rockets. Remember the Rockets defended their title and they were a six seed? Like that's what we could be seeing because this is really interesting. This makes the NBA so much more interesting down the stretch here, not only from a fan perspective, but also from the MVP perspective. So Giannis right now still is kind of lingering in that third or fourth spot with the MVP. He's playing his ass off. Really, the excuse for not getting Giannis as the MVP is, well, he won the last two years. What is it different this year? Well, they have one of the best offenses in, in basketball. Giannis is an assist machine. He's become more like a Magic Johnson type with the way he's been able to pass. And the guy is bringing in his post moves. He's making more free throws. If you don't think Giannis has developed into a better player, you have a dent in your head. Like, that's so dumb to think that. Giannis is better this season. Like, this is a better year from Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this is another version of Giannis. And if you look at just the overall stats in general of what Giannis has done thus far this season, he's averaging about the same amount of points. He's averaging a little less in terms of rebounding, but his assists are up nearly a full assist. His blocks are up. His steals are up. His turnovers are the same. His fouls are the same. His free throw percentage is up 4% and it's at 67%. If he can get that up to 70, I mean, that's great, right? Field goal percentage is way up. It's at 66%. Last year, it was 55%. It is up to 66%. Oh, sorry. It's 56%. I have a dirty computer. (laughs) It looked like a six. It's flat. But he's having basically an MVP season. He's having as good of a season as he did last year. And so there's no reason why Giannis shouldn't be considered. Now, we've all talked about it on this show. Like I'm like, look, I know Giannis isn't going to win the MVP But if you have players that continually to keep falling, and if Denver doesn't become like a top four team in the West, you kind of got to give it to Giannis, right? Like, how can you defend Jokic getting it if Denver doesn't become, I don't know, fourth? Right now, they're fifth in the West, and they're one and a half games back of the LA Clippers. Now, Jokic had a triple-double last night, or yesterday, and they lost to New Orleans. But if they don't become in that top four, like... What, what do you think there? What what happens there? And yeah, I have no idea what this fallout is for the Lakers. And I have no idea. They're going to have to probably survive and endure, you know, a three or four week stretch without LeBron. And that includes the Bucks playing the Lakers um, in a week from now. And that makes the West Coast trip for Milwaukee a little easier because they're dealing with a ragtag Lakers bunch. And you have to get one of those guys back sooner rather than later. And if you don't, Man, I I don't think the Lakers can miss the playoffs. I I really don't. I mean, it would take like a Rockets-level losing streak. Like right now, the Rockets have lost 20 straight games, which is fucking incredible. Um, I don't think you're going to have that with the Lakers. I think they still have the talent to win. But as Dennis Schroeder kind of said yesterday after they lost to the Suns, like we have to become a totally different team. And so the fallout there is not just, hey, it – is it going to affect the Bucks' MVP chances? But if the Bucks meet the Lakers, if, you know, if the Bucks meet the Lakers in the finals, a they're going to have home court advantage because the Lakers are likely going to be a five or a six seed, maybe even a seven, which would mean they'd have to play in the playoff playing game. But the fact of the matter is, is like the the Lakers will have to be on the road the entire playoffs, and that'll that'll really affect people. Like, look, 
fans are going to be back in the stands, especially in places like Utah and Phoenix, right? Like those are both conservative states. They're going to have a lot of fans in those stands come playoff time. And if that's the case, the Lakers are going to have to go through kind of a gauntlet. And I don't know how that's going to work out for them. And I'm just really fascinated by it. Uh, we'll see. And maybe LeBron, he, you know, he's a fucking monster. He's he's one of the best to ever do it. If his ankle ends up healing in three weeks and he's ready to go, then maybe it's not that much of a worry. But, man, you're asking a lot. And for those who said, just really quick tangent, for those who said, oh, this is because of the shortened season, like I hope Adam Silver's happy, get the fuck out of my face. All right? Like, because Mel Ball also out for the year now with a broken rest. These two injuries had nothing to do with a shortened season. Had nothing to do with a condensed schedule. A player, uh, Solomon Hill for Atlanta, rolled up on LeBron James. There's nothing LeBron can do about that. He ro- got rolled up on. That sucks. That I mean, it isn't fun. It happens. It's basketball. He got rolled up on. It was a precarious situation that has nothing to do with a shortened schedule. That's not how like ankles work. His ankle wouldn't be like feeling a hundred percent better if he got rolled up on like on a three day break, right? Like it's just it's bar basketball. It's not like a soft tissue injury. It's not like he pulled his hamstring. If LeBron pulled his hamstring, then yeah, you have a real case for it. Or if Lonzo Ball tore his, uh, you know, Achilles or something like that, even that, like that would be a case to be made of like, wow, this shortened season really affected, you know, a guy who's in the consideration for MVP, a guy who would be the rookie of the year. And that's, but it, they're, they're actual like breaks. Like he broke his wrist. Like again, that's not because of a shortened schedule. That is simply because of, yeah, you, you had a bad injury. Joel Embiid, same thing. It was a basketball play. Now, a little more soft tissue, but again, it was like a bone bruise. It was a basketball play. Like, it's not just he blew a tire. Like Seth Curry, for example, right? He he kind of rolled his ankle. and, and But the, so, that, so I like, again, like all these injuries that I'm pointing out, like they happen on a basketball court. Like we just had our guy Murph tore, tear his ACL playing basketball. Now, that was Murph's like, I wonder if because I was hungover, if I tore my ACL because of that. And it's like, maybe, right? And like, if we're dealing with ACL tears and PCLs and meniscuses and I don't know, I'm trying to think of something else, like maybe a separated shoulder. No, but that'd be basketball. Like these injuries are not because of a shortened season. These are shortened or condensed schedule. It's basically basketball. Shit happens. It sucks. I hate injuries. I wish injuries weren't a thing. I don't want to be playing LeBron. I don't want to be playing the Lakers without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I don't, and well, I'll get back to Davis in a second. He's a soft tissue example, but that was the Lakers' fault. They fucked around with that and they got Davis hurt. That was more on the Lakers than anybody else. Sorry, I, I don't mean, I wanted to add that because that, that was the example. But yeah, I don't, injury, but back to what I was saying, like the injuries suck. I don't want to be playing LeBron. I want to play the Lakers without LeBron and Davis. I don't want to be playing the Sixers without Joel Embiid. I don't want to be even playing the Hornets without without LaMelo. That sucks. That's not fun. It's not what you want. And yeah, some years are like this. We've seen this in the NFL too. It, it, does it dilute the product? Yeah, it does. But that's fucking sports. Unfortunately, as much as we like to think these guys are superhuman and they're superheroes, 
they can get hurt too. They're not, they're not like characters from the boys, okay? So just understand that. And yeah, it sucks for the Lakers. And who knows what that, that does for the rest of the NBA. But now the NBA becomes so much more interesting in the next four weeks. And I'd argue that this the time is kind of now for the Bucks to take advantage. They've won 15 out of or 16 out of 17. They're one of the most somehow under the radar teams. And I think it's because the Sixers have been so good. The Nets have been great. The the new life of what the Jazz and the Suns are doing, although the Jazz have been struggling in their own right. I think that's all all reasons why you're not hearing about the Bucs. But they have a lot of primetime games coming up. And if the Bucs continue to win games and continue to wreck shit, I think you're going to be hearing about the Bucs a lot more. All right, we'll be back with a normal podcast tomorrow. We will do the Tuesday show. We will talk Bucks pacers which is tonight. We'll also talk about the NCAA tournament as it will wrap up the first weekend today. Games are just about to get started. So again, put this on mute. Uh, put the game on mute, listen to me, or listen at halftime of the games. You kind of have a little bit of break in the middle. Only one game, the first two two uh, sessions, and then you'll get, you kind of get into it as we get closer to the evening. Take care, Tappers. Again, my apologies for kind of slacking. We'll try to be better. Always try to be better. Feedback, always appreciated too. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself an awesome week, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you.